Welcome back to another, ooh, the pizza's here. Let me take my clothes off episode of the First Time Watchers Podcast. Ah, my eyes, and I used to love to watch. Uh, my name is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walt And if you'd like to send fee- uh, feedback, you can always email us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. Speaking of feedback, um, oh. we received another email from frequent listener Mike Close. Let's hear it, Mike. Hello, first-time watchers. Hermano briefly mentioned his strategy of recording television onto VHS tapes. I was specifically interested in his idea of removing commercials. Hermano mentioned how he would edit the broadcast in real time to cut the commercials. I was a hoverer, too. The hoverer spends the entire length of the broadcast just trying to catch the split second the commercial comes on. The hoverer is also extremely stressed out by not knowing when the last commercial will be ending. If the hoverer presses record too soon during a commercial, you get a commercial. But even worse, is pressing record too late? Uh, The way I resolved being a hoverer was by connecting two VHS players to the television. First, record the content uninterrupted with commercial breaks, then replay the content on one VHS player while pressing record on the other. You can then place your exact cuts and edits with far less stress because you can pause and rewind any time. Um, I have extremely nostalgic memories of this, so it was fun to hear it brought up on the show. Regards, the hoverer. <laughs> Michael, I've got I've got a a bit for you that I think you'll appreciate. Then uh, Hermano might remember this, but back in the '90s, there were these things called AMVs, which were anime music videos. Yep, you ever seen any of these? And yes. that's how we would have. That's how we used to have to make them back in the day, because we like. People like people would enter them in contests and whatever. We didn't. Ha- I didn't have any equipment to, you know, like professional editing equipment. So we would just use VCR to VCR to like record the like the the music on a tape and then play the <laughs> play the tape back to have the music to add the <laughs> to add the visuals to it. Yeah, I know exactly what Mike's talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty elaborate system he had there going on. Yeah, Mike love totally it. love it, Mike. <laughs> Like totally had galaxy brain because I wasn't. <laughs> I had a second VCR too, and I totally could have done that. But um, I was just—I don't know. I, I do remember it being so tense, like just waiting and not knowing when the commercial was going to arrive. And I don't know if his, your guys' VCRs were like mine, but like it wouldn't like immediately start recording. There was almost like a little lag. Right, there was a lag. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like you would always get like a tiny little bit of a commercial, and it, it just drove me crazy. Uh, or you'd get that little bit of like odd tracking before yes. it would come back. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be like, Luke, I am your real father. <laughs> and then, and then, of course, you know, it's funny when you're replaying your your recording, and you you can notice those cuts because of the of the uh, those those tracking bits and the little static yep. bits too. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Good times, guys. Good times. The youngins don't know. Oh, yeah, the youngins <laughs> don't, don't ever know. They don't know. They don't know anything about this. <laughs> Is this on a BuzzFeed list somewhere? Like you know, things that you're you're you might not you might be too young to understand. Like, oh, you know, like cars used to have two oh. keys. <laughs> oh, it's got to happen. Like but you, you know what it is now? List. It's it's like it's like disc mans and uh, and the first uh, MP3 players. That's what it is now. So, yeah, so oh, let me ask you guys. When we're talking about VHS. Did you guys ever have a super VHS? No. 
I oh, did. You did. I saved up my loot from working and got one. And and um, uh, it was just a larger uh, capacity uh, VHS uh, tape. It was like a. It's supposedly like a like an H. It was supposed supposed to be like what we have like for HD now. It was hmm. like uh, you know a higher definition VHS, better player. It had um, you know like we had like the silver you know odd, uh yellow white and red the, their plugs were like gold tipped to to for better quality interesting interesting yeah yeah i don't recall there being that much of a difference between the vhs and the svhs as i remember but i remember wanting one and then yeah <laughs> i mean we could talk about the vhs slash betamax wars but that's another show so <laughs> taco bell used to run their training videos on beta you nice. know, a little beta tv player and then you know learn how to how to interact with customers and, and operate the cash register. Amazing. Anyways. Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, moving on in this episode, we'll be discussing the 1982 slasher classic, the slumber party massacre. But before we get into that, it is time for your night. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we discuss what we have seen recently on our own. I will go first. Uh, a few things, I guess. Uh, so I rewatched the first three Scream films, and uh, uh, the first one holds up uh, really well, by the way. I don't know if I talked about this uh, when I had seen it a few weeks ago, but um, it's, uh, it's you know, it's just a, you know, the first one is just, you know, there's a reason it's a classic, and it's a milestone. Uh, but the second one, so, you know, it was really interesting, and I'm just... W- wondering you know is it possible for a film to be so meta that it really never lives up to its own promises because in this movie you know once again playing off the ideas of the first one in terms of uh, how does uh, a person survive a horror film how does a person you know know they're living in a sequel you know and they they even call out you know like uh, you know sequels have a higher body count and even more elaborate set pieces but this movie doesn't really feel all that different than the first film you know the it's set on the college campus but it feels like a small town you know again the boyfriend is a suspect and there's another scene where the girl alone in a big house uh you know is, is being taunted by the killer and uh of course it's in the middle of the movie instead of the beginning of the movie I don't know. Maybe that's the whole point that Wes Craven is trying to do here, where he sets these expectations and then undermines them for the sake of proving the point that sequels aren't as good as the original. I I don't know. It's weird. Either way, the I I still did find it entertaining, and uh, I I really appreciated Nev Campbell's performance in here and uh, her her character. I think she really owns the film. Um, so yeah, it's for Scream Two. It's a it's kind of a mild yay, and then Scream Three. You know, this one actually does follow through on those promises that's made in that second film. It's bigger and sillier and funnier and has more elaborate kills. And 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 I'm I was thankful that it never repeated uh, you know any of those elements from the first film. And is that the one that ends with shoot him in the head, shoot him in the head? Yes, yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, the the meta nature works even better since it takes place in Hollywood. And I think he's even expanding on what he touched on in um, that Freddy film, New Nightmare. Uh, and I think he's having a lot of fun, you know, continuing those ideas. And, you know, while I, I do love Nev Campbell again, Parker Posey is in this film and she plays the movie version of Courtney Cox's character, uh, Gail Weathers. And yep. she, Parker Posey steals the fucking show. She, she is so funny and great in this movie. Um, 
And as a trilogy, the ending and epilogue uh, works really well as a completion of a trilogy. You know, I know there's a four and obviously a fifth one coming out, uh, but uh, I think as a complete story, it works. It works pretty well. So it was better than I remembered, better than I expected, and I think better than the second film. So uh, that's that's a yay for Scream Three. And then I actually have also a crossover movie, Tim. Oh, yes, that's right. Because, because it crosses over with the Kevin Smith universe. What the fuck is Jay and Silent Bob doing showing up in this movie? Because in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, they're on a Wes Craven set for Scream movie. Holy shit. And, like, Shannon Doherty gets mad, and she's like, what? <laughs> and, like, everything just stops. Jesus but Christ. But that's, that's where the crossover occurs. That's how they get onto that set. Yeah, lame, lame. Awesome! Lame. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I did... Uh, uh, finish midnight mass uh hermano nice uh we had last talked about it when i was done with episode five but you had completed the series and i will say you know from the ending of episode five even the entirety of episode five uh through the last two episodes is the strongest of the series and it's supported by what was built uh in the previous uh episodes you know and uh, you know, as much as I love and adore Haunting of Hill House and think that is still his, you know, the one I personally connected to, it, like, is it, is there a way for, like, for me to say, like, this is Mike Flanagan's crowning achievement, even if I don't have it ranked at, at the, his top of the things that he's done? It, you yeah, because you can have a personal favorite versus a what you think is, um, perhaps his best work though it, it's not your favorite right exactly and, and i i think that this is what that is it, because it, it's really really amazing and, and well constructed the characters the the writing the the whole thing is just set up so beautifully and it's and it's heartbreaking by the end and it's just it, it it's just so well told i i i was kind of blown away by how fully realized it was <laughs> and uh it's just it's kind of stunning on all levels uh, really e even even though i can kind of see why it may not appeal to everybody because you know it is so deliberately paced and and i think some people would go into it with some expectations of delivering true horror and i don't think it does i think it's much more character driven and has some horror elements in it and i i would never consider it uh, a horror series if that makes any sense so i can see that i i am interested in your opinion on um how did you feel what this is i'm trying to dance around spoilers here um how did you feel about i think there's like a hint at maybe some late redemption for some characters uh like yeah. the last episode specifically uh and i don't know how earned that was because it just feels like it's really back-ended, and it, it just comes out of nowhere. It feels like it comes a little bit out of nowhere. Well, I mean, if you understand... Well, uh, there is a key piece of information that isn't really delivered until... Or, or really well-known until the maybe the sixth episode and uh, about character relationships. And I, I, think, I think if that was clued in a little bit better earlier on, I, it, it might have been more well-earned. Um I don't think it ultimately bothered me uh, uh, or ruined anything for me. I can see where you're coming from, though. Uh, I, d I didn't hate it either. I just felt like, oh, really? We're doing this? Like, <laughs> I feel like we didn't. 
But the thing is, I I appreciate that they didn't follow th- that he never followed through on any real tropes, uh, true tropes, uh, worn out tropes. Uh, whereas if uh, if there was a character redemption that you're talking about, uh, uh, then you know in any other lesser work, it, there's a true saving of the day, and and I I think that the character at that point just realized there's no turning back now. It, it is what it is, and you can only make the best of of the situations. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, this this is this is pretty uh, pretty masterful work and. Uh, <laughs> I was like this before, but I'm still going to follow Mike Flanagan to the ends of the earth. <laughs> you know, whatever he does, he's, he's just fantastic. So uh, obviously, yay for Midnight Mass. So what do you got, Hermano? All right, I watched two things. Uh, first thing up is I didn't do any research on this, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this was, without a doubt, had to have been an inspiration for the opening of the first Scream film uh, with Drew Barrymore. Hmm. And that is from 1979, When a Stranger Calls. Oh. You guys both seen this? No. Oh, Tim, I would recommend this to you. Hmm. Wally, I would recommend it to you, too. It's it's pretty solid. It's from a director named Fred Walton, which you've probably never heard of. And mostly because he hasn't done much. He's only done like 16. He's only credited with 16 films. And he actually did a remake to this film, his own film, which was his first film. In 1979, uh, when a stranger calls. A- am I um, mistaken, or was this a a TV movie, or am I thinking of another movie, a similar t- type of film? Uh, I don't believe this was a TV movie, but don't okay. quote me on that. Okay. I don't know 100 percent sure. I I've seen it once before, but I'm pretty sure I saw it on VHS. Okay. Um. Um. So yeah, uh, Mia had, you know, had the urge to watch it. She had also seen it a long time ago. Um, you know, and I hadn't seen it in a while either. It stars uh, Charles Durning, who uh, I re- I remember as uh, Papio Daniel from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Carol Kane, which you guys would automatically recognize. She was kind of a mainstay throughout the the late seventies, early eighties. Um, it's really solid, man. The opening of this is basically the opening to Scream. <laughs> It's a girl co- going over to uh, to a babysitting job. She starts getting calls. You know, you guys have probably heard that famous line: "The calls coming from inside the house." Yes. Yep. That's that's from this movie, um, and it's got a great cold opening. It's pretty long though, longer than the scream one. It's probably like twenty, probably almost thirty minutes wow. of the beginning of the film. It's kind of like this cold open, and then it kind of shifts gears, and we start following uh, Charles Durning's character as this. Uh, Detective late in his career, um, who arrested the the guy that is uh, responsible for some killings in the beginning of the film, and then that guy escapes, and Charles Durning wants to track him down, and uh, has a uh, morally ambiguous uh, intentions <laughs> with what he wants to do uh, because he's not a cop anymore; he's just a kind of a private investigator now, and uh, it's really well done. Like the you, you follow the killer for um, uh, pretty much the entire second half of the film. You kind of go back and forth between what Charles Durning is doing. It's kind of like this cat and mouse between him and the killer. And then um, I won't give too much away. The, the, I wouldn't read the plot if I were you that's listed on IMDb because it kind of gives something away that I think would be kind of a surprise if you didn't know it. Uh, so I, I would recommend it. It's a, it's really solid. Um, a lot of good uh, scenes, and you could just you could just watch this film and you could 
pull things uh, like you can see the inspiration to other films. Yeah, I think it's like one of those films that's like a lot of uh, horror directors uh, were inspired by. So hi, yay for uh, When a Stranger Calls from 1979. And of course, it wouldn't be one of my reviews without uh, a Family Night movie. <laughs> uh, my son, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, he's a big Ryan Reynolds fan. Oh, boy. <laughs> So he'd been anxiously awaiting Free Guy, hey. and I saw we, was a... I I saw Free Guy. You got neither one of you guys have seen it. Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, I've only so... I've seen the one clip where uh, Chris Evans is in it. Okay. Yep. That's like a, a late in the movie thing, but uh, so directed by Sean Levy, uh, a bank teller discovers that he's actually an NPC inside a brutal open world video game. Uh, you guys, I think I've made my feelings known on Ryan Reynolds in the past. <laughs> yep. I feel like he's one of those guys for me that he hasn't changed a bit since, you know, I first uh, became aware of him, like, in Van Wilder, I think, which was, what, like, 20 years ago or whatever. And I feel like he's basically still doing the same thing. Let me ask you something. Who would you rather watch on a consistent basis? Would you rather watch Ryan Reynolds or Justin Bateman? Ooh, that's a tough call. Wait, I, I think I like, I think Wait, I like uh, Jason. Bateman. I'm sorry, J- Jason Bateman. Sorry. Oh, Jason Bateman. Sorry. I, I think um, I, I'm still. I think I'm with, with Bateman on this one. I think I'm going to go with Bateman too, only because I feel like he doesn't do as many films as Ryan Reynolds does. I feel like Ryan Reynolds pops in a lot of stuff, and he also has that whole that whole uh, internet persona now. You know, this kind of like ironic humor. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, there's fucking so much of it in this film oh my god the ironic music choices it's like it's like he has an absolute like uh playbook that he he does not deviate from whatsoever like this is basically a pg deadpool um but really it's it's a a melding of a gta video game in the truman show right so those are the two things i think that were heavily inspired this film um it's you know my, my son loved it it's totally for kids, even though it's PG-13 and I knew there was one F word in it. Um, but, you know, I was like, whatever, man, he's heard it. <laughs> it. Other than that, it's like a bunch of like, you know, shits and like damn or something, you know, or bitch, whatever. Um, you know, it's exactly what you expect. It feels a lot like, a, you know, if you've ever played a GTA video game, imagine like a character realizing all of a sudden becoming self-aware that he's inside of a game like GTA and like, you know, hilarity ensues basically. But you know, like like I said, my, my son loved it. It's a lot of uh, video game tropes. There's a lot of cameos that you guys will recognize, like the one Wally already mentioned. Um, there's a lot of, like like I said, ironic music cues. Um, it's just not for me, but again, I'm, I'm reading this on my, my son's viewing, and I, clearly he's more of the target audience than I am. So um, I think it's a little long, too. It's like almost two hours. It's an hour and 55 minutes long. And, um, yeah, you really feel the, uh, the Truman show influence on this film. So it's, it's like a mild, yeah. If you have like kids that are somewhere between 12 and 13, this is absolutely the movie for them. So, uh, if you're one of the, if you're in that age bracket, it's, uh, it's a, yeah.
still with us. Well, it is Halloween, you know. The drill! Uh, I was afraid this was going to happen. What, that I would drill you with all these puns? But you know what show you never have to fear? The In Session Film Podcast. That's right, Tim. The In Session Film Podcast is J.D. and Brendan. Nope. Not going there. Far too easy. Well, it was going to be a bit much. Get it? Bit? Uh, anyways, uh, this week you get a double feature review. Because you in session film podcast isn't screwing around with Ridley Scott's latest The Last Duel and the indie hit Lamb. You can find their show on Apple Podcasts by searching for, you guessed it, the In Session Film Podcast. Or on the web at InSessionFilm.com. So if you're in the mood for more great movie reviews and discussion, then check out the In Session Film Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Or on the web at InSessionFilm.com. Uh, any more of these puns you want to get out of the way before we start the show then? Well, I wouldn't want them to get boring. I'd rather keep our audience riveted, you know. Get out. Hosted by inebriated people That's Kai with the cracking voice And Heather's touched by evil One thinks he's Spider-Man The other is a ninja It's the Man I Love Film Podcast It's the MILFcast Hey everybody, I'm Kai And I'm Heather And we are the hosts of MILFcast The Man I Love Films Podcast The unofficial, official podcast of ManILoveFilms.com This is the podcast where we like to talk about What we've been watching, talk about movies But mainly we just like to drink, be silly And play a whole bunch of games So we think every other week you should grab a drink, snuggle up And let us make sweet love to your ears Otherwise, we'll make sweet love to your couch. So come and find us on iTunes. Just search for Milkcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Okay, let's talk about the Slumber Party Massacre. Trish, honey, where are you? Coming, Mom. We're leaving, baby. Mellow music for a Friday morning. And now here's the news with Emma Chapman. Our top story. Police are still searching for escaped murderer Russ Thorne. Thorne was convicted of the brutal slaying of five people in Venice, California in 1969. More news in a moment. How about my blue jacket? Did you remember that? It's in there. Tickets. Where I are they? The... Okay. Trish, the chips are under the sink and there's soda in the fridge, and our number at the hotel is right by the phone. Okay, Mom. Everything will be fine. Annette, we have to go right this minute. Mr. Content will be home all weekend and he'll look in on you. Hi, Mr. Content. Don't worry, I, I won't let the girls get in any trouble. Oh, shit. Annette! Bye bye, baby. Lock all the doors and windows. Mom, I'm 18 years old, remember? You will always be my baby. 
The plot, a female high school student's slumber party turns into a bloodbath as a newly escaped psychotic serial killer wielding a power drill prowls her neighborhood. Uh, the director, Amy Holden Jones, the actors, uh, Michelle Michaels, Robin Still, uh, Michael Villeja, and uh, a lot of other uh, mostly naked people. Uh, Wally, you were the one that recommended uh, us to, to, to watch this film. Uh, and uh, wh- why, why is that? And then what did you think? Well, so I see, I'm on Twitter a lot, and I see a lot of people uh, really hyping this movie up as being, like, really cool. And so I was like, all right, you know what? It's a, you know, 70s exploitation movie, like, early 82. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, maybe it would be fun to see, like, an old school, you know, slice them up, dice them up, you know, bloody horror movie with, you know, all the requisite parts that, you know, that people mock horror movies for. And this movie comes in at like a keen, just over an hour long. It's like an hour and seventeen minutes, which I'm sure is uh, right up uh, Hermano's alley. Chef's kiss. <laughs> it, it is a it is a fabulous. But I, by the same token, uh, I would say that I think um, to an extent it it doesn't do itself much favor in the fact that this movie just it from like the opening credits on where it 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 doesn't really stop. It's uh, it gives you every. It's giving you everything that you're looking for, you know, right out of the gate. And I think that that's really the only. You know, that's a kind of the knock that I can give it. Uh, but on doing a little bit of digging for it, this was originally written as a parody. Right. Yes. Which is which is why I think it is the way it is, and why it, it just it it never really seems to find it like find its own like real voice. Because like in watching this initially, I'm like, this is very student bodies ish it's got a really student bodies feel to it for me i'm like okay um but overall i had a, i had a fun time with this one i actually kind of enjoyed it uh hermana you had actually seen this maybe a couple years ago or so and uh um i think you were you were relatively positive on it then as well uh did, did it hold up yeah i don't know if it was the mood i was in but i feel like i had um more fun this time i looked up my review from last time and it looked like i gave it like a six out of ten um, I think I would bump that up to like, maybe like, I wish we'd give halves on IMDb. Cause I'd probably give it like a seven and a half sure. uh, for what it was going for. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it, uh, quite a bit watching it last night. I watched it again with Mia. Um, it, it, I did hear back in the, in the day that originally it was supposed to be, you know, filmed as a, as a parody. And it's, it's weird because it looks like they weren't completely able to remove some of the parody out of the film without really reshooting a lot of the scenes because it does feel like at times like it's just your standard slasher horror film and then all of a sudden they'll be like it's almost like this has got to be parody because if not this is like like absurd on like a different level like um i'm sure we'll get into those scenes but like i feel like at times it 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 did feel like the film was kind of going for a uh, a, a, like a mix of parody like with a lot of the cluelessness of the characters like there were so many scenes that featured characters like being completely oblivious of people being murdered around them, <laughs> uh, which, I, you know, it had to be parody at times because I can't imagine that this was played for, like straight. Um, but yeah, like uh, it, this film is so <laughs> like it uses up every one of those minutes, like even though it's as short as it is, like it doesn't give you any sort of backstory, doesn't have any right. time for that. You don't know hardly anything about the killer. The girls are just having a, a slumber party. That's all you really need to know. That's the setting. Uh, apparently, one of their friends lives across the street and wanted to be invited, but was kind of rebuffed. <laughs> like, it, it just, 
I don't know. It, like you just that's all you really need to know. It's just kind of like this like this little time and place film, this little time capsule, this specific moment in time. Uh, you know, we don't get a lot, you know, we don't really need anything else. We just need to, you know, see what happens when all these things are kind of thrown together. Um, and like I said, like I had fun, uh, me and I kind of got hung up on the idea of the drill the guy was carrying. Yeah. And we had to actually look up like when, uh, battery powered drills were first invented because <laughs> like we're very proud of drills like this big around. And of course me and I did our research and apparently the first one was made in 1961 uh -huh. by Bosch. Um, <laughs> but even then, like it just felt like the drill did not have a battery pack on it. It just looked like a, like a drill that they cut the cord off of or something. Mm -hmm. it, did you guys feel that? Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I'm not too focused on I, it at the I, moment. Oh, yeah, I'm not really thinking about. <laughs> I'll allow it too. I, I just, it's something that Mia noticed, and all of a sudden I couldn't stop seeing. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where someone I never really paid. Yeah, I never gave it any mind. Like you guys probably didn't. And I was as soon as she mentioned, I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, wait, is there? A I kept looking. Is there a battery pack on that thing? <laughs> so, so you mentioned the battery pack, but there's this scene where somebody grabs the circular saw. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that was the first thing that turned in my head. I was like, circular saws don't have battery packs. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's really great. <laughs> That's the only time I thought of a battery pack the entire time. But it's really great how that scene ends, you know. With oh, the... how it plays out. <laughs> I, it's, I don't know how much we're going to get. I don't know if we're going to, like, spoil oh, shit spoil we're the hell out of it. There's nothing, there's nothing to hide here. I, I, I really thought she was going to get it. Like, she was going like, to try to run up the stairs with this with that, that circular saw. <laughs> and, like, the cord was going to snap. She was going to fall back. It was going to fall on her. Right. And, right. like... Kill, like kill her. I was like, I was waiting for it. I was like, oh, it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you guys. The, this movie is is pretty pretty great. It's it's very entertaining, and I agree. You know, it does follow every cliche of the you know the genre of this time period. But Wally, you're right. It's efficient as hell. It just it just goes from the very beginning. It gives you, it's like within the first minute you have all this information that you need, and then newspaper says. Escaped maniac is on the loose. Exactly. That's it. And that's all you know of this guy. You don't know any backstory. You don't know anything about this guy. And that's fine. It's fine. You know? He's a maniac. He's, he's, With a drill. He's just a killer, right. a killer on the loose. And they do, and they, I like how they don't even try to hide him, you know? Or, you know, for, you know I, I kept thinking about, like, the, the Friday the 13th movies, especially the earlier ones, where where you always see like Jason's perspective or the camera is trying to fool you into saying, you know, hiding behind a tree or a bush and saying, Oh, is this from the perspective of Jason? Is he right around the corner? But no, this guy, you, you see him, he's in that van, that van in the beginning with the uh, phone girl, you know, is, is really funny as they're walking away and you just see her at the, at, at the van, you know, in the window and, and uh, that's his first kill. And, it's 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 just it's just great, you know. Um, look, this this movie earned an immediate five stars with me when one of the slumber party chicks eats the pizza off the dead delivery dude. I was <laughs> roaring when I saw it because I was like, yeah, I would probably do the same thing. I mean, like, I don't want to see that pizza go to waste. Like, sure, yeah, why not? Like, I'd do it. <laughs> That's the parody, though, and and the fact that the guy, you know, he could have easily the the guy the pizza guy's dead after one drill to the eye but he's like you know what i'm gonna do the other one too <laughs> right <laughs> yes exactly like that's the parody stuff to me it's like it's like that absurdity the guy standing up at the door still with his eyes drilled out <laughs> and then it just happens to fall in <laughs> like I don't, and then of course the pet the pizza she's like oh i'm hungry uh you think the pizza's still warm well he's not <laughs> yeah exactly well he's not 
But like the other thing too is like uh, Tim was talking about how they like they don't do anything like that perspective thing. They do, and it's like he, the the next door neighbor is even creepier than the the drill killer. Oh like, right. Oh, that's he, right. Yes. He yes. Just lets himself in the house, and he's like having a cup of coffee. He's a much older man, and I'm like, this is weird. Like, I, and I realize I'm watching a movie with a drill killer in it, but I'm like, this guy's kind of creepier than the other one. Right. And then he, where he's like, he's like. I'll just keep our little secret about that wacky trabacky. Right. There's like two times in the beginning of the film and it still even continues on later where, you know, you have somebody creeping up behind like the, the football uh, boyfriend, you know, yeah. uh, creeping up. Behind. Yeah. A lot of misdirection. Yeah. 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 And, and but it, it's, it, you're right. It becomes like borderline parody as it goes along because they do it so many times. <laughs> and, I, yep. and I love how All there right. is a literal cat scare, a cat jump scare. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Because like the other things, like how the cat in the closet, like, the cat's in the closet, up in the closet. Right. Exactly. Oh, I don't want to move past the, the neighbor too quickly because Wally didn't mention the creepiest thing about him is that he's outside in the dark, like murdering snails with a meat cleaver. <laughs> what is up yep. with that? <laughs> oh my god. That's the pinnacle of creepy for that neighbor. Yeah, and that didn't uh, look like the uh... pinnacle is like he wants you to keep a secret. He'll keep it a secret if you keep it a secret. <laughs> And I feel bad for that one snail that actually got chopped, you know, because uh, uh, that didn't look like a, uh, an edit or anything like that. It looked like a real, uh, real snail. Uh, yeah, it could be. So, um, you know, there there are some pretty inspired edits in this. Like, there's this uh, cut between a kill and uh, this horror movie on TV that she's watching. Um, yep. That that that's pretty good, and then uh, there's a good jump. Another kill with the blender. Yes, yes, the the, the blood blender crossover, which yes. is is also another really well done one. Yeah, it is. There's some you know inspired filmmaking in this, and and uh, interesting you know that a woman directs this, and there's still you know there's still the the you know necessity i guess uh, by the studio to to show all these naked women, and it was really interesting you know watching this. Um, you know, this uh, shower scene with, you know, in, in the locker room with all these women and the way the camera goes. And it reminded me of uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie and and that opening scene in the shower and how drastically different they are, uh, how how stark the, 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 the of a comparison it is, because. You know, in in Carrie, it's it's you know setting up the film, it's setting up the mood of the film, it's setting up these characters and who they are, and 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 um, and Carrie herself as a, as a person in relation to these horrible uh, peers of hers. But in this one, it, it's you know there is no or there's very little you know character setup or, or mood setup. It's all simply for the T and the A, literally. And it's amazing the tracking how it just goes, you know creepily up and down this one girl's body and it's just so so <laughs> um i don't know just typical of the era i guess yeah i mean like the movie even starts out with like tna like, right it's like oh yum 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 i'm waking up first thing in the morning dude and literally like, within oh. the first three like, minutes yes yeah i'm like i'm like okay yeah right this is uh okay <laughs> right. i had to ask mia about this because <laughs> i think i've asked this question before but i couldn't remember her answer and i was like You've never done this in your life, right? Like you've never just randomly started getting undressed in front of like other girlfriends at a, sl a sleepover or something like that. She's like, no, no girls do that. <laughs> like it's just so unrealistic that like, you know, like even switch it up for guys. Like have you ever started just 
no. hung around other guys with your dicks out and just yes. talking like nothing's happening. Well, I'm yes. gonna start. Absolutely. Yes. Just to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you open the door, Hermano. Walking in the other direction. You open the door, Hermano. I'm gonna pull anything down. I'm just gonna walk in just like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> nice red shirt uh, right yeah. up to your belly button and then shirt, nothing else. That, that's it. I'm gonna bounce away like Tigger then. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, what else did I didn't want to mention? Like, so you, yeah, you've got a lot, you know, a lot of that. And then, like, I think the other thing that also proves that it's also a parody is just like some of the dumb shit that the characters just do. Like the girl w- trying to like push on an obviously chained locked door. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing though is that there there are moments here that don't feel or play as parody, especially the ending of this movie, and and there are other moments you know that are you know standard for the for the genre and the error but you know they're they're played straight so there's a real interesting balance of those uh parody moments and the and the serious moments or or the the genuine moments I should say and it, it it's funny how well the this movie earns you know that fine line i guess do do you find that hermano uh, you know that the the pool scene wasn't the original ending, right? Yeah, I had read something about that. Yeah, originally, I guess it, the climax of the film took place inside the house, I believe. Okay. Uh, so, the, you know, the majority of the film was just inside the house. There was no pool scene at the end. So that was added in by, um, I guess, Roger Corman, like, financed it or something uh-huh. <laughs> to add that extra scene. And, again, the film was shot over only, like, a, a three-week span so like Wally was saying, like how it has sort of like a student film feel to it, but I think it's they they did a lot in, with a little, like you know, like three weeks to shoot this thing, even as like um, silly as it is at times, um, you could definitely sense that like they were they must have done some reshoots to get rid of the the complete and total parody of the film and just kept others. So that's why it has this kind of like up and down feel of like. Oh, this is pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is parody all of a sudden. Or it feels yeah. like real parody here. And then like the the final scene where it's like, I mean, we haven't even talked. Like the guy, the killer with the drill, he's basically whipping it around like he's it's his dick. <laughs> yeah. Like the entire film. Sure. Yes. And then there's a scene at the end where like <laughs> the girl like totally like fucking castrates him with a machete, I his mean, drill bit. I mean, it's not subtle at all. It's not yeah, subtle no. at all, but it's great. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Not realistic at all, because I seriously doubt that machete could do any damage to that <laughs> drill bit, which is massive. Um, well, but... all right. In the machete's defense, I mean, that drill bit had been through a lot <laughs> True. Of, pe- of people. Of people. It's seen some stuff. <laughs> you know, but there's also that scene, too, that I also want to point out where uh, there's a character that falls on the ground and it's just like a shot through his legs. Sure. And then the drill bit comes down. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is aped in Planet Terror. Planet Terror. Oh, okay, yeah. When Tarantino, it's a, that same shot when Tarantino's a zombie. Right. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. I haven't told you guys this, but uh, Mia for my birthday got me a Slumber Party Massacre t-shirt. Nice. And oh, it's that exact shot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the shot from between his legs with the drill bit and the girls just laying on the floor. Oh, just like on the poster, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The poster, yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty great. Um so, I mean, is is there any one you know girl character that sticks out to you? Well, I I'll tell you one is the 
is the younger sister uh, from across yes, the to say her. like because her conversation with her friend is great right but also she must be in her 20s and she's supposed to be like 15 i think she's really like 12 wow <laughs> holy shit i mean but like her whole delivery with her friend is 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 spot on when she's like and he stuck his tongue in my mouth and it was like slimy i thought i was gonna puke <laughs> she totally captured the younger sibling attitude and vibe like so well because she's a total dick like the, from the moment you meet her right how many times does she fake like she's dead on the ground <laughs> to her sister like her sister must be like absolutely full of anxiety around this this girl like i can't imagine it but she's handling it so well she's like oh come on let's just go home like totally like chill about it i'm like i would kill this if this was uh, if this was my younger brother or something my favorite bit is is when they're in the kitchen and they are opening and closing the door and there's the body in the in the uh in the fridge and i'm like how yes. do you not feel the weight against this door <laughs> um but i also like how the uh, the the killers also got to keep track of one, two, three, right. four, five, six. Shit! There <laughs> should be seven in here. Right, because it's it's funny, too, how they even play up the, the idea that these killers have to move these bodies because they show him at one point moving the body from, from, uh, from like, the, I don't know, uh, the living room to the kitchen or whatever, and then he gets under... <laughs> I love how he gets under the the blanket in the living room. Yes. <laughs> and, and because that that's totally something like a, that you would never see in a in a uh, you know a traditional horror slasher but all of a sudden the killer just happens to be under this you know as a surprise so it shows the process of doing this and it's just so great. It's just a wonderful touch I think. But it's Absolutely. I also want to point out the killer's body movements are really arbitrary because, like, he stuffs him in the trunk, but also has, you know, the feel the need to do, like, the predator string up. Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the girl in the garage. Um, yeah, so he's like, he's like oh, maybe not, the, maybe not in the rafters. I don't like the rafters. Rafters? Eh, no. Trunk. Trunk? They're going in the trunk. So you know how, you know, especially like the, the Friday the 13th movies are commentary on, you know, the, the teenagers are being killed because they're having premarital sex or doing drugs or drinking or whatever. And that's yep. the, but there's nothing that these girls are are doing wrong. Nobody's done anything wrong in this. You know, they're just having a good time and nobody, you know, it's not like they've invaded his space or his property or whatever. There's no history with, nope. with this killer. It's just, he is a random killer and they are, have literally done nothing wrong. So it's, it, it's funny how it, it sets it up as a parody, but it's, there's nothing of those elements that's being parodied. It's just, you know, randomness. That's, yeah. that's all it is. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, this is taking place in California in the early 80s. So they've already gone through like a bunch of other like prolific serial killers like Zodiac and Bundy. Right. Yeah. I mean, so like there, there, there is that that sense of realism of like this could just happen. Sure. Yeah, I get like that. Some lunatics on the loose and he's just killing people with a drill. Yep. 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 Uh, anything else to mention? What, what do you want to say about the the ending of this, Hermano? The the very end of the pool, like uh, other than <laughs> you know slicing the penis drill, you know, <laughs> like uh, yeah, slicing the penis drill, slicing his hand off. Uh, that that's a scene where I felt like there was still a, a bit of parody in it, with 
him reemerging from the pool after you think he's dead. Yeah. And just having this little nub. <laughs> he's trying to like, you know, still, you know, kill this girl and stuff. And everyone is just kind of standing. Like, I think that wasn't her little sister out there and she's literally not doing anything. Yeah. Something just like kind that. of watching this happen. And right. then the other girl finally gets up the courage to run out of the house and stuff. Like, I felt like it, it I don't know. It, I still enjoyed it, but it just felt like at times it didn't know what it wanted to be. And I was getting a little bit of that vibe where I was like, all right, should I be like completely like this should be completely grotesque and horrible? Or are you guys going for some sort of commentary here with the parody? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I find it kind of found the ending pretty amazing. Also, how it just ends. You know, there's no police. There's no uh, epilogue of any kind. It's just it's nope. just happened. And then it's done. And uh, I I really appreciate that, I think. <laughs> I feel that the uh, the the breaking scene should have had like like lots of like sparks flying off and like been like slow mode and epic, um, and then the killer when he's uh, when he's uh, in his like uh, screaming things, he sounds exactly like Tom from Tom and Jerry when Tom gets injured. Interesting. That's funny. <laughs> That's exactly funny. like I can't tell if it's, it was like was it dubbed in, or that that's what the guy really sounds like. Yeah, I don't know. You guys have any uh, interest in seeing Slumber Party Massacre too? Uh that that may come up uh, a little bit later in the show. Oh, uh, but yes, I I implore people to at least view the poster. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, it's uh, worth it. Oh, uh, uh, stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I think I think we're ready for grades. Uh, Wally, what's your grade? I'm gonna give this a solid. A solid beaks. I think it's a good B movie. I think it's well put together, well made, and I think it's it's well done. I, it's efficient. It's fun. And it's a B movie. It's B. Uh, I agree with every word you just said, but I'm going the full A fuck plus. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's how entertained I was, uh, Hermano. Uh, I'm gonna go with an A minus. I definitely l- appreciate it for some reason more than I feel like I did the last time I watched it a couple years ago. So uh, it grew on me. Okay, that does it for this episode of the First Time Watchers Podcast. Donate via patreon.com slash first time watchers or buy stuff at zazzle.com slash first time watchers. Talk to us on Twitter at one ST Time Watchers on Twitter. Or write to us at our email, first time watchers at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher because we love feedback. If you have any suggestions of movies for us to watch, please send a tweet or an email. Speaking of suggestions, let's recommend a movie. I'll go first since Hermano already spoiled it. Um, yeah. So, uh, the Slumber Party Massacre 2, I think, is the only one of these I had seen previously. And this was at a time period when I would, uh, it was, I was a teenager, and uh, it was before I had a car uh, or a license. And I would bike with my friend to the local mom and pop video store, store uh, uh, rental place, and uh, we would look for movies that may. Um, be able to get by the old person checking us out that might have some nudity, <laughs> some nudity in it. And uh, we decided on Slumber Party Massacre 2. Uh, and for whatever reason, I don't know why it was it was that one and not the first one or another one. I don't know. Uh, but certainly the poster. Uh, and I don't remember very much of this movie, but I do remember this, this uh, guitar with a trail. <laughs> On it uh, <laughs> being uh, pretty prevalent, and uh, and yes, it would certainly be something I would be interested in revisiting. <laughs> so uh, maybe that will be a future episode. Who knows? Who knows? 
So uh, while I don't remember much of it, sure, the poster, and I'm sure it's entertaining. So I'll recommend Summer Party Massacre too. Uh, Wally? All right, this is a movie that I, uh, that it gave me, this movie gave me vibes of this movie, but this, uh, the Summer Party Massacre did the, the shtick that this movie's trying to go for just phenomenally better. And that's from 2012, and that's ATM. Uh, directed by David Brooks, but written by Chris, who did the, Chris Sparling did the screenplay. Uh, Chris Sparling is the writer of Buried, which I really dug. Oh, okay. You know, single location film, Ryan Reynolds is in it. Um, I think that movie is pretty awesome. Uh, this, significantly less so, uh, on a late night visit to an ATM, three co-workers end up in a desperate fight for their lives when they become trapped by an unknown man. Um, dumb as fuck, this movie. And so, wait, when you get to the is this, is this to an, the end of it, it's even dumber. Is this an anti recommendation? This is an anti recommendation. <laughs> this is this is this is like people in a you know trapped in a single location dealing with a psycho, but no fun. Uh, st- stupid attempts. The whole movie is just I'm sitting there watching this, going, "This is fucking stupid." Like, why am I sitting here still doing this? Because I paid for it, and I'm going to sit through this whole thing. And I'm going to watch the whole thing, whether I like it or not. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a, this is a non-bow recommendation uh, for ATM from 2012. That's the way I feel too. I don't turn off movies anymore. I don't, I don't walk out of movies. Uh, uh, yeah. I Uh, paid for the rental and you know what? Fine. You could rent it for $3.99 on Amazon prime, or you could, uh, watch it on AMC plus or IFC films unlimited. Or you can give me $3.99. I can just light it on fire in front of you. (laughs) Uh, all right, Hermano, what do you got? All right, so the last time I watched Slumber Party Massacre, I paired it with another uh, slasher film from the 80s. From 1980, Prom Night. Uh, At a high school senior prom, a masked killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previously. Uh, Starring Leslie Nielsen and Jamie Lee Curtis. What a pair. (laughs) Um, uh, Leslie Nielsen in a, a, I think, somewhat rare, unless you're looking at his very early career, uh, serious performance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, This film, uh, it's a pretty good double bill with Slumber Party Massacre, though. Slumber Party Massacre is much more um, campy. I think Prom Night plays it a little bit more serious. Like, there's no, like, parody in this, really. It's just kind of played straight. But, um, you know, if you're into, you want to pair Slum Party Massacre with another 80 slasher film, I think you could do worse. Uh, and I love the tagline. If you're not home by midnight, you won't be coming home. <gasps> Perfect oh, tagline no. for a movie called Prom Night. So, uh, yeah, Prom Night from 1980. All right. Stay tuned for our next episode. We will be discussing the long-awaited Denis Villeneuve film, Dune. And that's the first time watchers podcast because we like to watch.
Red Sox are losing. I haven't been following it. And the uh, Celtics are about to start in the first game of the season. Is it still preseason? No, first game of the season. Oh, first regular game? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they already played their four preseason games. <laughs> it's only four? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Doesn't seem like a lot. Playing the Knicks. <laughs> How are the Knicks looking this year? It looks like they got a good squad. Well, they made the playoffs last year, and uh, they added Kemba Walker and somebody else, I think. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they should be okay. Hmm. Who the Celtics add? Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder? Schroeder. And uh, Al Horford is back. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wow. He is truly the definition of a journeyman. Uh, now he is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know now he is. I, he was he was a big deal, what, when he was in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to stop Giannis anyways. I saw some footage of him the other day, and it looked like he has been working on his outside shot. That dude's going to be unstoppable. <laughs> I tell you, man, I, I've, I've said uh, for a few years now, if this guy ever develops an outside shot, consistent outside shot. Talk about unstoppable. He's going to be up there like with the likes of LeBron, you know, as unstoppable force. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can already see it. Like he's, he's even actually a little taller than LeBron, right? Oh yeah. He's he, uh, yeah. LeBron's like six, mm, six nine, eight, six, eight, six, nine. And yeah. And Giannis is like seven feet, uh, maybe taller. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. That dude's an absolute freak. That's why they gave him that nickname. The Greek Freak, right. Yes. Well, no, nobody wanted to say Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I know. I felt bad for those uh, those announcers. Right. They, have to, they must have just been practicing that like an actor practices his lines. <laughs> yes, I, I bet they do. I bet that's very true. Like there was a, a player on the uh, Patriots. Uh, he, he was a Samoan, I think. And, uh, um, and it, his name was... Hanua, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what I it remember. Was like. It's like Hanui. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you nailed it right there. Yeah, it was that. Uh, Perfect. I don't even know how to spell it until you bother looking it up. 